grace is yours, friends. For the Lord God is with you. Amen. As Pastor Borman Sr., Pastor Jim Borman, uh, worked with the group here, worked with you all to start making these plans for this whole project and everything that we're talking about doing here. Uh, he wrote these words in your initial request for, for this status, for a loan, for uh, restart, for subsidy. He wrote these words as you all got started. The work we'll do with these funds will be a testimony to the community that we love our church and we're here to stay. We do love our church and we are here to stay. I love those words. Those are his words and those are your words too. I love that that is what you want to do with this project. That's what this project is. That's what this, this whole endeavor on which we're engaging is. It's, it's not about us. It's testimony. Right? Like he said, like you all said, it's, it's not about us. It's about the, the thousands, the tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands people within driving distance of our church who don't know Jesus as their savior. That's who this project is about. That's, that's who you all had in mind as you started making these plans, wanting to reach out to the gospel with them. I know you're excited about it. So am I. This isn't the first time that, that God's people have made plans for a restart, a rebuild, a renewal. When we looked at the Songs of Ascent back in the fall, doing that Bible study, uh, one of you all, I think it might have been Pat, pointed out that the project that we have before us is similar to the project that the Israelites had before them. As they came back from Babylon, as they looked to Jerusalem, as they looked to rebuild. And it's true. Again, God's people have, have rebuilt, have restarted in the past before. Let's see what that looked like. We find here in this, this reading from Second Chronicles how that restart project got underway. It was all God's doing. It happened to fulfill the word of the Lord, our verses say. It was the Lord who moved Cyrus' heart. Cyrus himself testified in his words in this official royal proclamation that God was the one who had given him his position. He testified that God was the one instructing him to carry out this project. None of the credit belonged to any human being, not to Cyrus, not to the Jewish exiles who would return to do this work. All of the credit for their restart would belong to God. The credit for this restart is and will be God's as well. doesn't belong to Pastor Borman Sr. It doesn't belong to the Wisconsin Synod's Board for Home Missions. It doesn't belong to you all, to the excited and energized and committed core group. It does not belong to me, to the new home missionary who you all keep kind of calling the Energizer Bunny. None of us, none of us, none of us get the credit for what we're seeking to do with this endeavor. Now, the credit belongs to God, to the God who moved Cyrus's heart, God who moved all our hearts by the gospel of Jesus Christ, his son, our savior. Do we get any credit for any part of it? 
well, let's look at the Israelites again. They certainly got some credit. They had earned the credit for being sent into exile. They had sinned against their God. They had abandoned the worship of the true God for false gods. Their lives were far from being the lives of neighbor-focused love and God-glorifying worship to which they were called. In every way, they lived the same immoral pagan lives as their neighbors. And so God wept before the exile over his people through the prophets, saying things like, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Do we deserve the same credit? Should we look at ourselves and see the same cause for our own exile, our own need to rebuild? In our worship, had we exchanged the God of grace for the God of tradition and custom? Had our lives been less focused on love for God and neighbor than on love for self? Did we look any different from our neighbors? Were we just as politically tribal these last few years as New York standoffish as everybody else driving past on Deer Park Ave? Did we look any different from our neighbors? Why did we have to go into exile? Why did we have to get to this point where we need to rebuild? And I know that I'm not just asking these questions the first time anybody's asked this question at this church this Sunday morning, because you all have asked me these questions. I have sat with not all of you, but some of you. And had you asked me these questions, Pastor, why are we here? Why are we at this point? Point of needing to, to, to do something, to restart this, this point where things aren't working. We need to fix things, right? And in those conversations, as I sat with people and I've heard those questions asked, I hear what Pastor Jim Borman expressed in those words, I hear that you love this church. You really do. I hear that you're here to stay. And so even as we're making these forward plans, these plans about restarting and moving ahead, it's still hard to not look at the past and, and ask ourselves, how do we get here? What went wrong? I have two things to say to that. And it's what I've said when you all have asked me these questions. One, I don't know. I really can't answer a question like that. I really cannot. I just got here in July. I don't know. And unlike the people of Israel, whose history is cataloged in unsparing detail, the grace of God doesn't have a, a book of Chronicles, a book of Kings telling your history. I don't know. I can't tell you why. I can't answer that question that I've been asked. But the second thing I have to say to it is it does not matter. It does not matter. When we look at the exile, the return from exile, the return to Jerusalem, the rebuilding project, we don't focus on the fault of the Israelites, on their guilt. Sure. Do we learn something from their sin? Are we warned as we read of what they did? Yes, certainly. But what we focus on in the exile, in the return from exile, in the rebuilding of Jerusalem is not Israel's role, but God's grace. God's people deserved more than exile for their sin, friends. 
covenant people, the chosen people, rejected God, their Savior, their friend, lived pagan, immoral lives, refused to testify to the love of their God. They deserved more than exile. They deserved annihilation. And God in his grace held his hand, took them into exile, gave them 70 years to weep, to look at their hearts, to examine themselves, to consider what it would really mean to be God's people once again. All of that was grace, undeserved love, the gift-giving love of God that led him to give them the gift of time, the gift of second, third, fourth chances. And if the, as if that wasn't enough, when the time came, he gave them the gift of support in their rebuilding, outside money. When Cyrus sent the exiles back, he sent them back with money, with gold, with silver, with all manner of precious articles. And again, that's to God's credit, God opened the treasuries of the Persian Empire so his people could rebuild Jerusalem. Again, that question, why did we get to this point? Friends, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter to us because it does not seem to matter to our God. He has opened treasuries to us as well to engage in this project. No, maybe not the treasuries of the great and mighty Persian Empire, but I guess for our sakes, the treasuries of the Wisconsin Synod's mission board are just going to have to do just as well. Just this week, as I sat here and wrote this sermon, I got the news. Our subsidy agreement for next year was approved. We have $100,000 over these next 12 months to get out with this good news of God's grace. Friends, see what God wants to do for us, is doing for us. All of it to his credit. Undeserved love, gift-giving love, grace upon grace. We don't get that credit, right? We, we don't get the credit. The councilman and I don't get that credit for writing such a compelling funding proposal. The Board for Home Missions doesn't get that credit for seeing, being so wise and seeing the potential here. To God alone, in all of this, the praise, the honor, the glory, the credit, in every part of this endeavor. So now this summer, we have the privilege of getting to work. The work which you've all been planning as you started, again, this, this process of seeking mission status, of calling a pastor. Nearly five years, something like that, you've been working toward this work getting underway this work of rebuilding, of reaching out, of sharing Jesus with our community, work which we've already started to do, right, as we've gotten things like Applefest going, inviting our community onto our campus, starting conversations, building relationships with them. I want to share with you all something else that Pastor Jim Borman wrote in one of our funding proposals as we talked about how we're going to do outreach, talk to people, share Jesus with them. He said this, Long Island is on the leading edge of post-Christian culture. Grace of God's future will rely in large degree on God blessing us as we chase after people wherever we can meet them and evangelize them without apology. The church won't grow just because we're here. He's right. 
if we think this is going to be easy, we're being silly. If we think that this project is just kind of plug and play where the missing piece was that full-time pastor, and now that that's here, we're just going to hold the doors open every Sunday morning and watch them stream on in, we're not being realistic. Because friends, those aren't just warm bodies out there. We're just waiting for a pastor to be standing up here that they could stream on in and get their butts in our pews. Those are people. We love them. And here's something I want us to understand as we talk about what it's going to look like to, to get into this restart project. Uh, we are not doing this so that our church grows. I understand what I mean there clearly. We're not doing this so that our church grows. We're doing this because we love those people. We want to share our Savior Jesus with them. We asked for this money. We're renovating this facility. We're going forward with these plans because we love people who don't know what it means that Jesus died for them. Now, let's be clear about that, right? This is what Pastor Borman means when he says that Long Island is on the leading edge of post-Christian culture. This is what it means that we're in this post-Christian place. Those people know what the gospel is. They know what it is we believe. If we had asked them a couple of weeks ago, what are we going to be celebrating here at church on Easter? They would have said something about Jesus and a resurrection back from the dead. They know it. They just don't care. There are more important things to them than coming here to hear that good news on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's sleeping in. New Yorkers work hard all week long. They like their weekends, right? Maybe it's brunch. Maybe it's going for a hike. Who knows? Whatever it is, they know this message. It just doesn't seem to make a difference. And we can have the primest of locations which we do, we can have a beautiful, renovated, updated facility, which we will. But if those people think that they need the gospel like they need a hole in the head, and the primest of locations with the most beautiful of buildings isn't going to do squat. So what will? Paul gives us something to work with. The Apostle Paul gives us something in our, our New Testament reading here. He gives us a ministry approach that could not be more appropriate for this post-Christian, lonely, disconnected, untethered age. He just says, love people. Verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. 
Next week is our first Bible study during this, this relaunch phase. We're going to gather, right, to, to have a little bit of a devotional service, confession, absolution, hear from the Bible, gather together, sing a song, and then we'll study. And we're going to look at these verses in detail in that first study next week. So I won't go too far in, but let me just make one point from these verses today. Paul specifically says here, this is how the Christian should interact with outsiders to win an audience for the gospel. Love them. Fill your conversation with grace. What does that mean? That means let your conversation be a gift to that person. That's what grace means. It's a gift word. The grace of God. Give that person what they need. Comfort the person who needs comforting. Listen to the person who just needs you to listen, right? That's what it ultimately, above all else, means to let your conversation be full of grace. Listen, listen, listen to that person. Figure out what it is that they need. Give someone the gift of your attention. Right? Don't, don't make the interaction about yourself. Beat back that, that sinful nature that always craves to put me, my stories, my lives, my triumphs, my tragedies into every interaction. And let that person, whoever it is, be the most important person in the world while you're talking to them. Because to you, they really are. Because you love them. Now that approach is small. Right? One-on-one. -on -one. Individual. It's a small approach, and we're a small group, and it's an approach that takes time. Does that worry us? As we look at moving ahead in this restart, is a, a small approach from a small group that's going to take time, will that ever get us to the point where we're sustainable, Pastor? Will that ever get us to the point that this is all going to work? Well, again, one, we're not doing this so that our church grows. And two, it's not our job to worry about how small the effort is we're bringing to the table. We look at those tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people out there, people that we love, people who don't know their Savior. We wonder how this, this small approach, this small effort is ever going to make any difference. And you know what? Jesus, who stands with us, smiles, chuckles, because he's been here before. Standing on a hilltop with 12 disciples who looked at the small amount that they had to offer and looked out at the crowd of thousands of people and said, how is this going to make any kind of difference? It wasn't about them. It wasn't about what they were bringing to the table. It was about the Savior God who was standing with them, inviting them into the work. You go and give them something to eat, he said to them, and he knew that he would be the one doing the work. The God who is standing there with the disciples, the same God who is here with us, is the same God who was there with the exiles as they returned to Babylon, from Babylon to Jerusalem. That the God who fed that crowd was the God who gave his people the strength, the ability, the resources that they needed to rebuild their city. That God is our Savior, Jesus. Our God is with us. Let's go. Amen.